Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Today we have an exciting episode. We have David Hayward. You may know him as the Naked Pastor or at Naked Pastor on Instagram. Hello, David. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. He yeah. is coming to us from Canada. Um, I'm here in Los Angeles. David is jealous that I'm wearing short sleeves outside. Not the same privilege that you have. No, no. It's cold. All this white behind me is actually snow. <laughs> you just dug yourself out a little corner yeah. for the interview. <laughs> Um, we actually did a podcast interview probably like a year ago and then I checked it and the sound didn't exist. So (laughs) this is our take too, but, um, I think it's a perfect time because it is New Year's Eve right now. And we just want to dive in and talk about David's latest book, which is called Till Doubt Do Us Part and the profound and beautiful effect that it's having, especially on married couples and people that are questioning their faith. And um, we're going to talk about the cartoons and the work that David does so we can really get a grasp on his intentions with it and what we're both hoping to see coming into this new year. So first, would you give everyone a little synopsis of Till Doubt Do Us Part and what inspired you to write the book? Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on your show and hi to all your followers. And I'm so happy to be here with you today. And I really do wish I was in that warm sunshine. <laughs> um, Yeah, so it's a till doubt to us part when changing beliefs change your marriage is really, um, I think, one of the most important books I have written because it really does address a very crucial issue that I've been seeing happening um, among a lot of the people who follow Naked Pastor and, you know, I'm in touch with. And that's um, when one or more of the couples belief starts to change, which is inevitable, um, and, and I think healthy, that it often challenges the relationship. And uh, so what I do in this book is I offer um, stories and advice. I talk about Lisa and my own, um, you know, challenges in our marriage when we started deconstructing or changing our own beliefs. And um, so I I wanted to write a kind of a short, um, punchy book that uh, would be a very quick kind of remedy for people. And also to lighten it up, I include a lot of my cartoons. And um, and so essentially it's a, it's a, um, a bunch of my posts that I, I, I collected and put together into this book that I, you know, and I'm hearing back from people that it's, it's really helping them in their relationships and so on. So I'm really happy I wrote it. Yeah. I'm really happy you wrote it too. 
<laughs> I think it would be so valuable for anyone to pick up, not only because of like the wit and the humor, but woven through it is a deep vulnerability. And also like, I can only imagine the journey you've been on to not have to fear coming out so boldly with just mm -hmm. doubt and questions. I think anyone listening here knows that as Christians or ex-evangelicals, we were always told to like not doubt and to have faith mm -hmm. and to know, and that it would even be like sinful to question mm -hmm. um, God or your faith. So do you find that just like peeling back your own layers and just showing people what's behind the curtain is inspiring them to tell their own stories? Yeah, that's where, um, you know, maybe just to give a short kind of background on where I'm coming from is that's behind the whole meaning of my name, Naked Pastor, mm. was, um, you know, it's nothing, you know, restricted or X-rated about it. <laughs> Excuse me. It's, it's basically me uh, exposing my inner journey, um, me just being raw, real, transparent, vulnerable, open, honest with people. And I actually started... Um, naked pastor when I was a pastor of, of a church. Um, but then I, I left the ministry in 2010 and went taught in the university. And then a couple of years later, I leapt into doing naked pastor full time. And basically, you know what I find? I'm basically doing the same thing I did as a pastor, but online. And so um, I kept the name naked pastor um, because I found that when I share my own story and I'm honest I'm, I'm vulnerable with people. I, I let people know my struggles. Um, and I also let them see me processing my, you know, um, pain or my questions or my doubts or my fears um, that it encourages them to uh, try the same thing and actually be honest with themselves and with, uh, you know, their own loved ones and their friends and family. So, yeah, it's... Um, so in, until doubt to us part, I wanted to be very honest, as honest as I could about my relationship with Lisa and our marriage and the struggles we had to get through um, that difficult time. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking for anyone who hasn't seen, definitely go to at Naked Pastor, but most of your cartoons portray um, believers or just people on this messy journey called life as sheep. And you often identify those sheep in sexual orientation by coloring the sheep either with the LGBTQ flag or the asexual flag or the bisexual flag and really do these profound, beautiful things showing Jesus reaching out to those lost sheep to mm -hmm. being the one that is standing there with that alienated sheep. Mm -hmm. And then often you portray the church as this building, which I really love too, because church is, I don't know, so convoluted in my head. I don't even really know how to express it right now, but it's just, I like that it doesn't vilify people it's vilifying the institution is the way mm -hmm. i see you doing it and i really appreciate that do you ever get um pushback or whatever that you are being divisive or that you are intentionally hurting the church and i know this is a stupid question because i know the answer is yes but like you know what do you think of people that say that you are doing more harm than good 
You know, I, I, I wrestled with that just recently that um, when I uh, criticized uh, a certain politician um, that uh, they were like, how you've totally disappointed me. I thought you were all about love and here you are criticizing. The Bible says we're to honor those in, you know, position yeah. of power and authority and, and on and on. And I, I thought a lot about that and it made me realize they're kind of revealing a lot about themselves when they do that, that to them, love means you can't criticize. In other words, it, it's a sign of fragility, in my opinion, when you think, um, I love my wife and she loves me, she's not allowed to criticize me. And um, that, that is really, really revealing. If, if, if my wife never criticized me, I wouldn't be the man I am today. I wouldn't be as good a husband as I am today. But that, that's because it, it was out of love. And she wanted a better relationship or, you know, so she wanted better communication or whatever. And, and so when people, when people say, you know, you're not allowed to criticize, um, it, it reveals that they're, they're mistaking love with um, sort of not being, a, not being able to, to see honestly or truthfully what's going on. Uh, you're to live in denial um, you're to overlook people's faults, even if it's harmful to other people and so on. And, and then I, I have to ask, like, what do you do with the whole, um, all the prophets in the Old Testament? What do you do with Jesus? What do you do with Paul? I mean, you know, they didn't leave behind warm, fuzzy feelings everywhere they went. No. Uh, <laughs> and yet, you know, they, they, uh, I think they, you know, Jesus, let's talk about Jesus, because a lot of people have problems with Paul, but um, Jesus um, certainly was um, interested in love, and at the same time, justice, and so, yeah, that's what I, that, that's what I do with people now that say, you know, you're not allowed to criticize the church, because um, Christ loves the church, and, you know, I, I'd say, whoa, 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 you know, that's, that's totally, for me, love means, um, growth and being stretched and challenged and changing transformation. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying this because I actually just had a conversation with a friend this morning because I went to um, Sean Foyt's worship oh. service downtown last night. Um, I stayed in my car because I just wanted, I know that he is presenting something online that's very glossy and polished and you know, talks about the impact and power that he's having or during these services. So I was like, I want to see from my own eyes what's actually happening. And, you know, mm -hmm. you and I both know as people on the internet, you can crop a picture. So it looks like there's tons of people having a great time. And then you can zoom out and see the disaster that I actually was witness to. Um, really? Oh, yeah, it was it was a hot mess. And Sean and his people just rolled in basically that community advocates for Skid Row made a blockade with their cars so that basically to protect Skid Row from yeah. Sean Foy. Yeah. And then of course I look at his Instagram today and he's like, we saved so many people and it was powerful and it was a disaster. It was just two groups of people 
trying to be louder than each other. Um, you know, obviously I was on the, the blockade and the advocate side of things, but point being, you know, I do vacillate between like compassion and, and calling people out because I definitely feel like one of those Christ followers that's more in the table turning realm of Jesus's ministry. Mm -hmm. And then you do have to kind of step back. I think if we're reflecting upon a brand new year coming up, like what is true compassion Right. What is conviction versus judging others? And I think it's one of our major struggles because there is so much division and there's so much heartache and heartbreak between whether it's people that are still in the evangelical community or those of us who have left it. Mm. And I really wonder how to bridge these gaps. And I love that you use humor. I think that's such a powerful tool, but I do see the, how it can actually still, of course, be offensive. And I think the same thing too. I'm like, I don't want to be divisive by calling these things out, but at the same time, who is challenging the church? Like we haven't seen the church get taken to task and challenged for the Mm -hmm. wrong things that it's doing for a long time. And now we've had church too, and all these sex scandals and Carl Lentz and you know, the scandals just keep piling up and it's like, here we are and what are we going to do yeah no um i i totally totally agree and i really appreciate the work you're doing and (laughs) takes a lot of guts um you know and i i'm in the same kind of game and i was in the game where i would actually call out certain individuals and it's brutal It, it was just brutal um i suffered a lot you know um through that period of time calling out certain you know, emergent types and um, power pastors or mega churches and all this kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's just not pretty. Um, And I, you know, my, I think where my compassion comes in is that I really honestly do believe that these people sincerely believe they're doing the right thing. Mm. I think very, very few people actually intentionally want to do evil. Yeah, Uh, I agree. (laughs) And that these people are really do believe that they're sincerely trying to help people and do the right thing. That's where I think my compassion comes in. But that's also where I feel I am responsible to come in and say, now, you're actually hurting people, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is actually hurting people. Um, H-U-R-T. Um, hurting, not hurting. That <laughs> um, so it's it's like I I and and I I keep telling people I I have people who deconstructed and left the faith and left the church and like why are you still hanging around the perimeter you know of, of the church and all that kind of thing is because I love it like I I really do value the church I value its history in my own story my own life and. Um, for crying out loud, can we just please do it in a healthy manner? That's why I am constantly talking about it. Um, Because I I have seen the value of church and community and what it can provide for people. I also see the damage that it can do. And, um, and I've, I've actually felt it myself. So that's why I, I think my, my compassion is I believe in it. And my, um, you know, the uh, challenging side is an expression of that. I I actually believe that. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. It's always a call to do better. 
-hmm. but it is challenging when you're you're in the middle of it because uh, you don't want to hurt people but at the same time when you see people hurting people it's really hard to just deny it yeah yeah that's why um i i keep i keep feeling like i have to defend myself um and but it's you know, there's very, there's very few people out there like, like you, for example, or like what I'm doing, or there's a lot of people out there just um, trying to inflict hurt on these people or institutions. Whereas I, I would really like to see it improve, you know, yeah. I would really like to see it change. Um, yeah. I just had a meeting with somebody today said, what is it you miss most about the church? And it's, it's the community, but at the same time, I know that the whole community thing is what really, really messed me up because there was some sick things going on um, in there. So that's why I talk a lot about community and um, believing that if we do, do it right, it's really quite powerful and, and it can't be beat, you know? Yeah. So as you coming uh, from a background of being a traditional pastor, I know that you had from our last conversation, it sounded like a pretty public deconstruction because you were willing to, like you said, get emotionally naked and let people know that you were on that journey, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure was very challenging to see people like get upset about that or walk away from that. But what were some of the, the cracks that you were seeing? Like if you're talking about the community not being a safe space or having these problems, what were some of those problems that you were witness to well this is the fortunately the, the the last church i was a pastor of i felt like my deconstruction it was kind of like a glacial melt it took a long long time and i felt like um the the people in the church the community were watching it unfold very slowly. It wasn't like I came up on Sunday, I no longer believe, you know, it wasn't <laughs> like that. It was a very slow kind of process. And, um, and uh, they came along with me as my friends, you know, and it was, it was, it was just like that, but it, it got to a point where for some people I started sounding not like uh, an evangelical and mm. let's say, and, um, I was in the vineyard church at the time and, you know, I was starting to hear from other vineyard pastors and other pastors were hearing about me and I was getting letters of concern and I was getting phone calls from my higher ups and, and I knew my time was up and and I was right within a year I was gone. But um, I, I, I really missed the intensity of community and the support, you know, like the, not, not, no other institution. I don't think anyway, I've tried to think of some and I've tried some, um, where you walk into a church and potentially you're offered a whole smorgasbord of of community support. You're offered um, friendships. You're offered groups and activities. You're offered prayer. You're offered babysitters, maybe a, a mechanic who will do stuff for cheap for you. You, uh, um, you know, all kinds of support mm-hmm. and and. Um, there's nothing else that does that really. And, and, uh, but here's the thing. And I've, you know, I've watched a, a bunch of documentaries on, let's say cults and people who've left cults or been rescued from cults or whatever. And, 
almost all of them are like in tears because they they really really miss the community and the people there and that intensity of in intimacy and and you know 24 7 kind of support and love and but they were being totally abused and they know it and their money was taken and they were raped and they were you know abused and they were slave labor and they knew all that but they still missed that community feeling so it got me thinking okay maybe that feeling isn't all that normal maybe it isn't healthy that intensity mm. of intimacy 24 7 because what what we what we see from that what i've seen from it in the church is that if you reveal all your secrets they will be used against you against you <laughs> yeah. um and you know um you have the right to privacy. Nobody needs to know everything about you. Um, you know. Uh, oh, say that again, because I feel like in church you you feel like that's not you're you're betraying people by not giving them every single element of you and yeah. confessing every single quote sin. And I remember just feeling like a sham towards the end because I just yeah. felt like I was withholding so much of myself and. I kind of feel differently from you. Like I, I don't really miss the church as I knew it because mm -hmm. I really do. There were moments of authenticity and moments of true connection, but I knew, I think intuitively that there was always limitations to what you would actually be allowed to express or feel and just being the kind of person that I am. I don't fit into the traditional molds of like what a good Christian girl is supposed to be. Even in writing my book on her knees, like I had the revelation for the first time ever that I never dreamt about getting married or sleeping with one person or riding off in the sunset and mm -hmm. serving at a church forever. Like those were not on my, on my list. But after indoctrination, I started giving myself that narrative and being like, oh yeah, this is what I want. I guess this is what I want. But it always really did feel inauthentic to me. Mm. Yeah. And so I talk a lot about spiritual independence, which upsets some people. Because oh yeah. A lot of people's reactions are, you're not supposed to be alone. We're supposed to be in community. And I'm like, listen, don't confuse independence with being alone. I mean, independent. My wife and I are independent people who decided to become interdependent. Um, and not codependent mm. and or dependent even on one another unless we need to be so um, I talk a lot about spiritual independence and I think that's one of the the problems of community in the church is this what psychologists might call entanglement or enmeshment where you lose your identity and you just become a part of the stew and um, you're you're not allowed to be singular or unique um and or independent and i think that's what i fight a lot against um and, th and this to me is the big question um how uh, i think if question if churches or communities wrestle with this question then i think they're on their way to experiencing authenticity how can i be free without violating your freedom that to me is the question hmm. can how you can expand on that can you expand on that? That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, so uh, I, I really believe in the freedom of the individual. But if, it, if my freedom violates yours, then there's something wrong. We need to renegotiate. And if your freedom 
violates my freedom. Somehow we need to, we have to renegotiate. We need to figure this out. Let's take the, maybe, do you want to talk about masks for a second or not? Sure. <laughs> like I'm, I'm free. Let's say you think you're free not to wear a mask, but does, if that violates the freedom of other people to, to like stay healthy and to live, then something needs to be discussed. We need to work this out. Um, and well, so, couldn't you say that in reverse? If I was an anti-masker, couldn't I say you are encroaching on my freedom and individuality by making me wear one? Yeah, but that's not violating anybody's, that's not violating the other person's freedom. Well, they that's seem to think own. so. No, they don't think so. But that's, why, <laughs> that's why I say it can't be, it can't be, um, it can't be made into laws like and I'm talking about in a, maybe the mass thing isn't a good example, but it can't be made into a law in a community thing, like in a family, for example. Um, um, we need to we need to encourage our children's freedom, but if their freedom is violating our freedom, or our freedom is violating theirs, we need to talk about it rather than establish some kind of arbitrary rule um, and. So that, that to me is the, the most important thing for community is somehow, um, how can we gather together and be free while at the same time responsible? Because freedom doesn't mean, you know, I don't have to do anything. I know. Responsible. Yeah, yeah, and I can already hear people that are uh, trying to demonize progressive Christianity or even remotely progressive thinking the argument would be, what are you talking about? Independence, freedom, we are supposed to be children of God, we are supposed to be restrained in all of these ways. You are not to be that individualistic or self-serving, that is selfish. You know, these are all the narratives that we live with as evangelicals. Exactly. How is what you're saying remotely theologically sound? How do you justify the thought that we're supposed to be individual and unique? Yeah. I know. I, I grew up. In a, <laughs> I, I totally, and I get that all the time as well. Um, and I, so I cartoon about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 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 like um, Irenaeus, the early church father, said, uh, "The glory of God is a fully alive human being." Mm. Um, and I think fully alive means fully free, living life to the full. Whereas somebody might think it means sacrificing your life and dying to yourself, and you know picking up your cross every day or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I see progressives I, are doing that, you know, like picking up your cross by doing the work that you do is a real thing. You're picking up your mm -hmm. cross by counting yourself vulnerable, being honest. Mm -hmm. For me, I pick up my cross in just practicing love for very difficult people to love. Like mm -hmm. one of my largest challenges over the past several months has been to figure out how to love my quote enemies these people that drive me absolutely bananas, how do I actually exercise my Christian belief system in the way that I show compassion and balance that with like still addressing when there's an issue? And I think that there's nothing super easy about that. Like people right. are acting like we just throw out all of the, the rules and we are lawless and we can do whatever we want. But mm -hmm. I think the way that I would word like the way I have been wording what you've said about not encroaching on other people's freedom, I would say you're not, you're never causing harm in any direction to your environment, to 
the other individual to yourself. And I know that is antithetical to the way a lot of people see the faith or have been told to see our faith because you're supposed to be in pain and you're never supposed to be in pleasure. You know, one is demonized and the other is uplifted as like saintlyhood or something. But if you're harming yourself, if you're not being true to yourself, I think that is sin in its truest sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, um, in my, my book, um, till doubt goes part when changing beliefs, change your marriage. It, uh, talks a lot about, um, uh, where, you know, you, you think you're, Lisa and I, for years, were on the same page until we realized we weren't. Mm. Um, and it was kind of, kind of happened suddenly. And, um, and then we had to, we had to, something we'd sort of taken for granted, suddenly now we had to work on. Um, so we had a choice. Do we split up and go our separate ways or do we figure out a way to work this out? Although, even, even though we felt very, very different on the same page, not even in the same book, not even in the same freaking library. I mean, it was <laughs> like we, we suddenly realized the glue that we thought held us together, our beliefs or our faith, wasn't there because mm. they'd gone through such a transformation. And, and so we had to sit down and actually hammer things out for a couple of years to figure out what is it that actually holds us together. And we decided it was love. Uh, it was love that held us together. Uh, and that includes respecting the other person and their space and their boundaries and who they are and their identity and their spirituality and everything. So what's happened is Lisa's blossoming into her own self in a fresh, uninhibited way. And so am I. Mm. Um, she's feeling free. I'm feeling free. And yet we decide to stay together in this relationship and continue to um, negotiate every step of the way on how to stay together, how to be in love, you know? So it's, it's like that too with my enemies online or people who oppose me or whatever, or, or come at me. I mean, I even make, I even make memes out of some of them. They're so funny. <laughs> yeah. I like yours. They're little <laughs> endorsements. <laughs> yeah. I like those, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it forces me to, and you know what, some of them have turned into, friends you know where i i keep we keep talking back and forth and it was, and it's like um you know rather than like a couple of bull mastiffs that are like immediately on guard and baring their teeth after a while sniffing each other out and figuring each other out you settle down and you realize okay we really disagree here but we can we can somehow get along but you know we certainly wouldn't want to live together and that's okay that's called boundaries and that's healthy yeah for sure i'm just thinking about your page too and it's just so wild because if you really break it down the truly divisive thing about it is your challenge to love mm -hmm. i i think maybe today or yesterday you put up a cartoon that was like diving deep into love and it's just a bunch of hearts like a pool of hearts and then it's all the sheep of all different sexual orientation jumping in and people are really afraid of that and i understand why because we've been given the narrative of an eternal damnation and hell and that if we love people too unabashedly that that they will not change and they will not become christian right. or the people that they're supposed to be and then I see the exact opposite happening in life. 
So it's just, it's really trippy to imagine Christians will go on your page and find it offensive when all you're really doing is begging people to love each other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was today's cartoon. Um, uh, the Deep End of Love is the name of that cartoon. I really like it. Um, me too. But uh, it's just happy. But that's, that, to me, it's happy though. To a lot of people, it's, it's very offensive. <laughs> And so like a lot of people, some people come on like last week in one of my cartoons, it's like, well, this is great, except the power of the gospel is that it changes people. Mm. And I'm like, no, actually, the, the primary power of the gospel, in my opinion, is that you're loved. No ifs, ands, or buts. And you don't, and there's nothing you can do to receive that. You're just loved yeah and that's the power of the gospel and and that's the culture out of which transformation occurs now some people would like to see that transformation from gay to straight right um, or whatever but i see it from being uh captive and enslaved and uh, uh a fraction of yourself into blossoming into your whole self whatever that is whatever your expression including gender, sexuality, beliefs, you know, whatever. And so to me, that's the power of, of love is yeah. I'm, I'm loved, you're loved. There's nothing you can do about it. And now you can just enjoy that. That's why it's called good news, not a good plan. It's good <laughs> news. It's, it's announced, mm -hmm. it's proclaimed. It's like, hey, something's happened. And, and, you know, you didn't even have anything to do with it. And, and you can just live in it, you know, that to me is the power. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's just hard to fathom a God that wants us to confine ourselves to a very small, minute picture of humanity. Even if you look at different cultures and different mm -hmm. countries and different people's way of life, it's just mm -hmm. like, we are this beautiful cornucopia of all different kinds of people and experiences and for us to say oh we all have to just shove ourselves into this 1950s mm -hmm. housewife mechanic duo going to church every sunday i'm just like i don't understand stand how inauthenticity would ever be the call like if you are struggling day in and day out to be this thing that everyone's telling you god is demanding that you be we either have a cruel god Mm -hmm. which that would have to be cruel. There's no other way of putting that or we are wrong. And there's a different right. way of looking at this. What is it about the sexual orientation issue in particular that gets you? Cause I feel like a lot of your cartoons are about that in particular. Well, um, it, to be honest, it's because I think it's, um, the sort of, um, battlefield right now it's the hill the church is going to die on it mm -hmm. almost feels like that and, and it is dying on that hill yeah like the, the vineyard church in canada actually voted in january not to be affirming they, they actually voted no if, if you want affirming we affirm that you go down the street to a, affirming an affirming church but we wow. do and inclusive. Uh, we will love you. You can be here, but we, we won't um, recognize same-sex marriage or, you know, 
you learn a lot of leadership or whatever, things like that. And yeah. Do you happen to know if the Canadian churches are having the mass exodus that American churches are? Because I oh, know yeah. it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah, there's, I know a lot of people who are leaving and they're just fed up and given up, you know. Uh, so like, like to me, the whole creation story, even if you don't believe it's a literal historical event, uh, it just, it just seems to preach abundance and diversity and you know like the word you use cornucopia like just like just the overflow of all kinds of stuff and um you know you and i love the word diversity and we love color and we love gender and sexualities and all this is just marvelous you know uh, or to others it's just really a nightmare um yeah. they, they 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 don't want it they they don't want to live in it and they want to prevent it from, from happening. And, you know, it's a shame because the, the attitude you have in your heart is the attitude you're going to take to the Bible or to your religion or whatever. And that's how you're going to interpret it. And um, you're, not, you're going to find all the evidence you want to sustain your beliefs. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So to wrap yeah. things up, moving into 2021, what is your vision of a true Christ-like community, whether it's created online and then we can finally get out on the street out of Corona? What does it look like in practice in real life? Yeah, I think like I'm, I was talking about the naked pastor community earlier, uh, especially on Instagram. It's just really cool, vibrant, lots of different people from all over the world different colors and languages and gender and sexuality and beliefs. I just love it. And it just, that's how I felt the last church I was in as well. Um, up until I left was really diverse because you were given the space to be diverse. And um, so this to me is evidence that it's actually possible and it's not a pipe dream. Uh, it's not a hallucination or an illusion or a mirage that that having diverse community and appreciating it and cultivating that um, is entirely possible and it works. And um, I just wish that more churches would experiment with that, even just try it. And, and, you know, more countries would, would do that. Um, that, because it, it makes for a more vibrant and happy, joyful life, I think. So that's, that's kind of my dream. Like, because everything, it's kind of like my, my book. Um, I mentioned it a couple of times now. It sounds like I'm trying to promote it, but I'm not. But, well, um, I'm trying so, to promote it. <laughs> build out to its part. Uh, you can take those same principles and apply it to any relationship, not just marriage. It could be boyfriend, girlfriend, or it could be, uh, I know polyamorous people who are using the book. I know um, people who are using the book with their mom and dad or their siblings or friends who have different beliefs. It requires, you know, if we're all homogenous, no work's required. Yeah. No imagination's required because we're all the same and nothing, nothing has to happen. Whereas when you're thrown into the mix of diversity, you have to work it out. You have to be an adult. You have to communicate. You have to 
compromise, you have to love, you have to forgive, you have to accept, you have to reconcile, you have to, all these things have to happen when there's the diversity. And, 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 you know, reconciling and forgiving and all that does not mean bending the other person to your will to become exactly like you and to look like you and to be like you and have sex like you and all, all that stuff. It means that we accept the other as they are and learn how to live um, together. That to me is my vision. So it's not just, it's not just for the church, it's for families and couples and um, countries, you know, the world. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a beautiful utopia. But I do think we can have remnants of it. I really, really do. I think we can have previews of it. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, microcosms. We can create little microcosms of it. And I think they will find a way to spread. You know, They'll, they give off energy. And, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I think the people who are in the naked pastor community and, and people like in your community and so on, it, it when somebody in these communities says, oh, wow, this is really, I really love this place. They're going to take that with them into their own relationships, right? So th I think that's how it spreads. Don't yeah. You? Oh, yeah. That's my very, very favorite thing when I, when I see a little tiny butterfly effects going on. It's when I see a mother talking to a daughter about a podcast that I did that challenged them. When I see my seeking and searching, encouraging other people to do that in their own relationships. It's, it's truly beautiful. And like you said, the authenticity of self, the ability to be fully in the person that God made you to be, no holds barred, except like you said, when it's outputting harm or in, in like harming somebody else. But otherwise, yeah, the example of community I think that we've built online is beautiful and is turning into real life. Yeah, that, and that's why, like, um, I'm very protective of these communities. Like the, on Instagram, for example, I'm very upfront in saying, listen, if you're going to be a jerk and hurt other people here, you're, I'm going to delete your comment. And if you keep it up, I'm going to block you because this isn't a message board. This isn't an argument place, you know, an argument room or, you know, uh, a forum for debate. Th this is a community. Yeah. Where we accept and love and include one another and allow everyone to have a voice. And when they say, but you're not allowing me to have my voice, it's because your voice is trying to drown out other people's voices and silence them. That's, yeah. the, that's how community works. Mm. Community only works if we allow everyone to have a voice. But if a voice comes in and say, you, 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 you need to shut up because God doesn't love you and you need to change first. It doesn't belong. That's, that what's, that's what wrecks a community. So everyone's included except those who don't include everyone. <laughs> yeah. And that really goes back to like, I think the practice of asking instead of telling, which yeah. goes in a lot of your work as well. Like a lot of times you're posing questions, you encouraging, not encouraging doubt, but encouraging people to fully immerse themselves in whatever questions they have is is so freeing and that really i think is the answer to so many issues because then yeah. instead of saying it's a sin to be gay and yelling at everybody like asking questions asking well, how do you how do you have peace with this right you really feel the spirit said it's okay wow like tell me your story tell me about it instead of 
just yeah. constantly attacking one another. Yeah. So I'm glad you're protecting people in that way because I don't like deleting either because I do want to give people freedom to speak. But there are moments, especially if I see a 14-year-old or something getting attacked in the comments, I'm like, no, 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 no. This yeah. is not what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I made a hard decision, uh, especially with Instagram. I, I don't on Twitter or uh, I will on Facebook a bit. Um, but it's like, uh, I want a community and I want a safe community for my gay, transgender, asexual, mm -hmm. uh, agnostic, atheist friends. Like I, I want a safe place for them because every other place is not safe. Exactly. So here's yeah. one place where you can be who you are and I'm going to try my best to protect you and, um, and protect the space. So I did make a hard decision and I actually did a lot of research before I did. And I come to find out, you know, like people like Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown and, you know, others, they're like, delete, 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 block, 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 because they, they're like, this is my space and that's toxic and I don't allow toxicity in my space. So I thought, all right, that's cool. Huh. I'm gonna take on that value and it works. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you got me thinking maybe I should do the same. <laughs> it's hard work though. You gotta be diligent, that's the problem. Yeah. But then, you know, the problem is too, if you, I did allow negative voices and they derail the conversation, they derail the positivity, they yeah. drown out the love, they take over, um, that's just the way they work. And then it ends up being a fight. And then all the, the gay friends and my transgender friends and everybody feels, this feels just like church, I'm out. And that's mm. the last thing I want, right? Yeah. So I just prevent that from happening. Like, hey, if you want to argue, like we assume gay people, LGBTQ plus people have the right to be who they are. We just assume that. It's not up for debate here. Yeah. So see you later. Love it. I support yeah. that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to consider this. You got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, where can everybody find you? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Till doubt do us part. Um, nakedpastor.com is where you can find me. Um, and, but I'm on all the social platforms and I'm really good at answering emails or messages and stuff. So if you want to that reach makes out. one of us, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your heart. Now we see the man behind the cartoon and, um, I just love your pure intentions with all of it. And I really, really appreciate you creating that space and I'm so grateful to be a part of your community. Thank you. Thank you. Glad you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's it, everybody. We love you all so much. God bless. Yeah. Bye, everybody.